Welcome to episode 13 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Today's guest is Dusty Doddridge from Tennessee. Uh, Dusty reached out to me uh, via email and said, Hey man, love the podcast. Uh, love to be on the podcast. Check out my work. Here's some cool topics I'd love to discuss. And man, he really got my attention with um, some of the ideas he had of things to talk about. And so I said, Hey man, why not? So uh, we finally were able to schedule it. You're going to like this one, I think. We covered some cool topics, including a concept called meta-learning, um, practicing photography as an art form. Uh, we talked about uh, Iceland and doing workshops there and doing workshops in general. And then he shared some really hilarious uh, stories from the field that I think everyone will kind of appreciate. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Um Please uh, reach out to me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. It's uh, at Matt Payne Photo or Matt Payne Photography. Dude, Dusty Doddridge, uh, it's great to have you on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for for having me, man. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed uh, with the lineup that you've had, and you've done a great job on the interview front so far. So I I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to to be on the podcast with you. Hey, man, <clears throat> not a problem. I I appreciate you actually uh, reaching out. Uh, I was bold of you, which it's funny. I was talking to my wife about mm -hmm. this yesterday because I was like. I have all these people that I want to have on the podcast and none of them are contacting me. So I have to like reach out to all these people, but like it saves me half the battle when someone who's got talent actually reaches out to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if I have any talent, but I'm, I'm at least, uh, you know, goofy enough to, to reach out. But, you know, I, I think it's actually an important thing to, to spend a minute on. You know, I think that I've benefited a lot from people who have uh, spent time and put together podcasts, they've put together blogs, they've put together PDFs or videos, and you know that's been a, a huge part of, of my own uh, journey in photography. So you know, I think when there's an opportunity to give something back to the photography community, well, hey man, I, I want to I be a part of that and, and give something back and, and pay it forward in some way. So I'm, I'm, I'm eager to... Uh, give something back uh, when there's an opportunity to do that. Oh, that's cool, man. I appreciate I mean, that makes total sense. And that's honestly like that's half of what this is about is like just bringing all of us together to, you know, like share bondage and not like that kind of bondage, but share right. bonds. <laughs> yeah. Collaborate and, and listen, right? That's yeah, man. Like, yeah. It's not about like popularity or, or like how many likes you can get on Instagram. It's about like, how can we all learn from each other and and like you know it's cool hearing people's perspectives on different topics and stuff like that so um yeah it's cool like i actually hadn't ever heard of you before but then when you reached out to me and i took a look at your stuff i was like i was pretty impressed with with the not only the 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 quality of your work but like the depth of your subjects and all the different places you've been so um that was one thing i wanted to talk to you about but sure um first uh just just for everyone here like just tell us a little bit about you. Like, where are you from? And like, uh, kind of, uh, what's your approach to, uh, landscapes, man? 
Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Tennessee, and my, my wife and I have been here in, in middle Tennessee, just, just outside of Nashville for about uh, past 25 years or so. So it's, it's, it's just a fantastic place to live. We absolutely love it. And uh, part, of my, part of my background was in sports. And, you know, when that chapter of my, my life and work life came to an end, I had, a, I had a work colleague and she said, well, you know what, man, you, you really love being outside. Why don't, why don't you get back into the outdoors and maybe you need to think about doing some local hikes or whatever. So, you know, that was the genesis of just kind of getting back and reconnecting with nature and getting back outside. So just started doing some local hikes. And of course, you know how that goes. Then you start getting into some backpacks and things just kind of take off from there. And and then, of course, you know, you want to start taking some photos of those experiences and, and share those. And, and then that morphs into, I think, a really, really keen interest in photography. So, you know, I, I started... Uh, I guess shooting slide film back around 2003, 2004. Uh, I mean, digital was around, but I kind of wanted to have that old school guy badge of say, yeah, man, you know, I shot film or whatever, you know, <laughs> with uh, three stops of dynamic range, you know. So uh, I shot some Fuji Velvia w- without a lot of success, I think, you know, back in the day and then switched over to digital maybe around 2007 or so. But uh, man, I just, I just found that photography, landscape photography, uh, for me especially, just offers me the opportunity to get outside, do something physical, uh, do something that is uh, sort of mentally challenging and, and have obviously that, that creative outlet that I think is it's important for me and I think it's important for everybody to have that, that uh, outlet for creative expression. So I've just, I've just eat, sleep, and, and breathe landscape photography, man. So uh, it's just yeah, been something that's, that's just made a super positive impact on my life. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the things I love about uh, landscape photography is like this. It's like this um, really interesting um, merge of left brain and right brain. Like there's a lot of technical and mm-hmm. um, uh, analytical aspects to it in terms of like getting your settings and understanding how your equipment works and understanding how light works. But then there's also this artistic side to it in terms of composition and seeing the like pre-planning your vision and then thinking ahead to how you're going to process it before you even take the shot and stuff like that. So yeah, man, that's, that's cool. Like, I, I find a lot of people kind of come to a similar conclusion that it's like a really accessible form of expressing uh, your creativity. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And kind of like Aaron was saying, you know, in, in that podcast, you know, it, it doesn't really matter how you come to photography or what you do with it. There's just super positives in, involved. You know, I've, I found that a lot of people from, from technical backgrounds actually gravitate towards photography. You know, they're, they're interested in the gear, they're interested in the, the technique and the craft, but they've probably also spent a lot of their profession, you know, uh, without having as much of a creative outlet as they would like. So it's that perfect sort of a door to doing something technical that really has a super creative outlet. And I've, I find a lot of people from technical backgrounds, it just is really, really appealing to them. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, man, it's just something that I think has appeal to, to everybody. And, and I would add that, man, I, you know, it's, it's the golden age of photography, man. It is a great time to be photographing right now. Just the tools, uh, the gear, the software, and the information is, is just exploded. And just even just in the last five years, if you just think about it. And, uh, man, it's, it's just a great time to be photographing for sure. No doubt. Um what one of the things that you had mentioned that you wanted to kind of talk about which 
think this is a good segue into it because I think yeah. we're kind of already talking about it. But um, you had mentioned um, photography, practicing photography as art. And I was kind of just curious about what you meant by that. Yeah, so I think that that's kind of an evolution for, I think, a lot of people in photography. You know, I think that, um, you know, it's it's I think with the technology and the tools that we have now, it's easy to go out and, and kind of learn basics of photography in, in the beginning. But I think one of the things that's probably not uh, very well taught uh, is composition and, and learning stronger uh, compositions. And then I think that there's another part of practicing photography is, as an art that has to do with kind of developing your vision and style and having some form of personal expression uh, that's there. And then I think, you know, there's another part of that that has to do with some form of, of creative output, you know, and I think that that in the recent interview with, with Alex, uh, you know, he definitely touched on that. So I think that, that uh, yeah, it's, it's an art that draws a lot of people in, and I think with the tools and technology, you can get pretty good at it pretty quickly. I think we've all seen that, and that's cool, and that's exciting. But I think if, and that's a big word, if you want to uh, practice photography as an art, then I think that that's, that takes more work and it takes longer time to really get to those more, I think, um, refined compositions and, and sort of refining your own vision and style and thinking about, you know, creative, creative projects that you want to put together. So um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my two cents on that, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's so funny, man. I remember, I think it was back in 2011, um, where I, I started to get real serious into taking photos. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a coworker of mine who had an art background, and and um, she she was like, I can't remember the exact way she said it, but she was like, y- "You're an artist." Right. And I was like, no, I'm not an artist. I'm just a guy that goes out and takes photos. And she's like, no, really, like, think about it. Like, and she kind of had to, like, bring me to that side of thinking about things. And, and then, you know, of course, the more and more you get into it and you start to realize, like, all of the different aspects of, like, composition and processing and, mm-hmm. and, and, and like you were saying, like, developing your own personal style and vision, you, you start to realize, like, Oh yeah, I guess I am an artist. You're right. <laughs> it's yeah. it's funny because I don't know why I hesitated or or didn't want to say that I was an artist, but um, now I embrace it. I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I feel like, and you know, people can say no, you're not, but I feel like, you know, I've developed my own style, and and I I am an artist, and yeah, I, and you know, looking at your work, I would say the same thing. So, you know, it's. It's an interesting topic, though, because I don't think originally a lot of people get into it because they see themselves as artists. And I think because of how accessible it is and how, I guess, quote unquote, easy it is to learn that um, it it gets people to start to see themselves as artists, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with that. And I think if anybody wants to do some reading on that topic, just be sure and check out Guy Tal's blog. You know, he, he oh, absolutely, he, he's he's writes about that topic of photography is is art quite a bit. So uh, definitely check him out on, on that. But I think that yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right. I mean, I don't think people initially start out thinking, oh, photography is this artistic outlet for me that I'm really looking for. But I think that they kind of discover that along the way. And they, and I think that, you know, when you dive into the artistic side of, of things, then I think it really becomes, 
I think, rewarding for you when you're when you're doing something that has a lot of personal meaning for you and you've you've got some creative output, especially if it's tangible. That's one thing I, I tell people all the time, man, you know, yes, we live in the digital age and, you know, you're a lot more people are going to see your work, you know, electronically for sure. But, you know, I think one of the most rewarding and exciting things for me is to see a print roll off that printer, man, and and hold it in your hands. And it's just, I don't know, there's just something about that tangible sort of tactical, tactical experience of just holding that print when you've sort of had that creative input, you know, from beginning to end. And so for me, I try to encourage people, hey, man, you know, whenever you can afford to get a hold of a printer and, and start learning that art and craft of printing, and it really provides, I think, uh, some closure, you know, to your creative work and, and provides you something tangible that's that's super cool. So I'm I'm all about printing your own work if if at all possible. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think that's kind of what takes it home is you print your work really big and you're like, holy shit, that looks so cool, <laughs> you know. And it's and it's mine. Like I made that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. So another topic that um really intrigued me that you had mentioned um that i haven't really um i just i you know i have a background in psychology i've got a master's degree in in clinical psychology so when you'd mentioned this mm-hmm. this topic i was really intrigued and it's the topic of meta learning and I, I was hoping you could kind of talk a little bit more about that and what that means yeah so uh, yeah it sounds like we have a similar background i have a master's degree in counseling psych so that's that's <laughs> right cool. on yeah, that's that's been the bulk of my primary career. I'm in year 28 of working in a university setting, primarily in a career center. So I get to talk to people about what they want to do with their lives on a daily basis, and it's 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 pretty cool. So I'm kind of kind of a uh, learning geek and surrounded by learning. So it, those things always catch my eye. But yeah, so you know, one of the things that has interested me over the years is uh, the work of of Tim Ferriss. You know, and his his wildly popular uh, blog and and podcast. And and one of the things that he's been super successful with is just kind of this accelerated learning concept, right? So, uh, you know, I think that that's really helpful if you can apply that certainly to, to landscape photography. And, you know, his steps are, you know, number one, you've got to kind of deconstruct an activity. So if you just said to someone, well, okay, I'm, you know, go out and learn photography. Well, okay, that's not helpful, (laughs) (laughs) right? Photography is, when you think about it, it is a bunch, it's a long list of skill sets. And so you kind of have to deconstruct an activity first uh, to kind of make it digestible and, and learnable. And I think the art of it comes with that next step, which is sort of selecting what's most important to learn, right? So if you could, if you could figure out, and this is where I struggled, you know, uh, with when I was trying to learn photography, well, okay, what, what is it that I'm supposed to be learning? There's a lot to learn. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of information. You can drown in information overload. So out of all of the things that you could be learning, what's most important? You know, and, and his mindset is, well, okay, figure out what's the 20% of, of something that you could learn that's going to give you the 80% results, right? So that's not necessarily easy to do, but, but if you can develop that skill, that's, that's pretty helpful. And then the third piece of the puzzle is to sequence those things. So in other words, if you can deconstruct something, figure out what's most important, and then figure out what sequence to learn them in, man, you're going to be able to learn things a lot faster, so I think that that uh, 
you know, you can check out his blog. He's got the books, Tools of the Titans. And I think the one that's about the accelerated learning is uh, The 4-Hour Chef. It's about cooking, but it's really about accelerated learning. So okay. I, would, I would definitely encourage people to check that out. And for those people that maybe want to pursue sort of photography as art and kind of take this long-term approach, uh, I think the work by the uh, Swedish psychologist K. Anders Ericsson is, is, I think, really, really helpful. He's got a book out. It's, it's not an academic book. It's for popular reading, but it's, it's called Peak. And it's a, he, he basically has spent his entire career studying world-class performers in music and chess and sports and medicine and kind of has deconstructed how to be a world-class performer across those different domains. And his concept is deliberate practice, which is really more about having very specific learning goals, uh, having focused practice, getting expert feedback, uh, putting yourself in a place of discomfort to be able to learn new things. And that's where the whole sort of 10,000 hours concept came out of that. And he talks quite a bit about that in his book. But I think that if what you're trying to do is to do photography as an art, then I think it's that long-term deliberate practice that that's, you know, what's going to get you there. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's funny. Um, we actually have talked about a lot of those topics on the podcast, like, you know, getting expert opinion and, and putting, your, <laughs> putting yourself in difficult situations. And right. um, it's funny, like when I think the last two podcasts I've done, we've talked about those two topics. So it's it's good to hear that there's actually a little bit of research basis in that, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's like a lot of things, you know, it's 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 on the one hand, it's, it's common sense. Uh, I think we would all agree. But then on the other hand, you know, when you see it kind of organized and structured in a way, then I, I think it I think it makes a ton of sense. And the third thing that I would say, it's a little bit different angle, but I, I love her work in writing as as well as uh, Angela Duckworth, also a psychologist who wrote a really cool book, man, if you're involved in leadership or if you're a parent, it's called Grit. And it's about the power of passion and, and perseverance. And uh, she's done a lot of work in that particular domain. So uh, I would definitely add that to, the, to the, the reading list. And it's like anything else, man. If you want to be good at something, um, you've got to have a passion for it, right? And if you're going to be persistent and resilient, and certainly you need that in landscape photography for sure. Oh, God. That, no that passion and perseverance, man. That's that's what's going to pull you through. And she, she writes a, a very readable book on that topic, which I would highly recommend also. Yeah, and so just for people listening, uh, I'll, I'll do a little bit of homework and put some uh, put some links in the in the show notes so that people can quickly yeah. find them. Yeah, um, awesome that's books, funny. Man, highly recommended. Yeah, cool. Thanks for the tips, man. That's cool. Um, yeah. yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I don't know how many times now, um, probably in the last you know five years, six years, like I've come to moments where I've, you know, I've had gl- glimpses of wanting to just give it up, like mm-hmm. you know, where you get discouraged about a trip or the photos you took, or mm-hmm. or that you feel like your photos aren't, you know, getting the accolades you feel like they deserve, which, you know, we've talked a lot about on this podcast and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, 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 you definitely do need to be resilient and you have to have that passion. And I feel like there has to be a lot of intrinsic motivation to, to, to keep at this, uh, this art form. Cause it, 
if you're if you're if you're trying to get that ex extrinsic that um outside influence mm-hmm. it's it's probably not going to happen for most people yeah 100% you know and we see that with people you know in our workshops it's like well you know they uh, people take workshops for a lot of different reasons, right? But but for some people, part of that is learning and getting better, right? And I think that they desire to get better, but they, they may not have a way forward, right? So that's the whole point of the workshop is, okay, where are you? Where do you want to be? And let's identify some things that we can work on in this workshop that are going to help you, you know, move forward in your photography. So, you know, I know you've discussed a lot of pros and cons about workshops, but I think that that one of the pros, at least, about workshops is it helps people get unstuck. It's like if you're if you've lost some motivation, you don't know how you don't know what to do next or how to get better. Or you just you're just generally feeling stuck. Then, you know, I think a workshop uh, hopefully would, would be one of those things that could kind of help, you know, jumpstart you and, and get you going again. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's one of the great things about um connecting with other photographers especially photographers that maybe have a different style or vision that you have and spending a few days shooting with them and and, and just doing that I feel like if you're if you're open-minded and, and willing to ask questions and and of course if the other person is also you know the kind of person that's willing to kind of talk about it which I feel I've never met anyone who's like I'm not going to tell you how I do that <laughs> you know <laughs> like I feel like that's a good way for someone to like you say you get unstuck or to to learn different things like um, I don't know I've mentioned his name like a thousand times on the podcast but uh, I got a really good friend named Kane Engelbert that uh-huh. I've shot with about three five three four times now mm-hmm. um, and like every time I go out with him like there's just another little thing that I pick up where I'm like I would have never thought of that <laughs> you know yeah like, I no matter how much time I would have spent doing this I would have never thought of that and that it's you just got to put in the time, you know. Well, well, yeah, man. It just underscores that whole collaborate piece, you know. You, you, you know, if you're just spending time with people who do things differently, you're you're gonna rub off on each other. And you know, man. I mean, I think uh, I'm a big believer in the rising tide lifts lifts all the boats. You know, I I haven't done a whole lot of night photography, and my buddy that uh, teaches workshops with me uh, is heavily into night photography. Man, he's super good. Just He's just very technically sound. And, you know, just being out there and doing some night photography with him, it's like, man, it just gets me jazzed and gets me excited for it. And, and you know, I've, I've, I've learned uh, a ton just from, from being out there with him doing some, some night photography. So that's, that's where that whole uh, collaboration piece comes in for sure. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because um, I think it was 20, I want to say it was 2014. I mm-hmm. spent like four days with Kane shooting waterfalls all over Oregon. Wow. And, and and I was like trying to explain to him how I do night photography because I was, I'm way more into night photography than anything else. Uh-huh. And, and, and he was like, okay, he wasn't really that excited about it, <laughs> you know? And like yeah. now, like that's like 50% of what he shoots is night <laughs> photography. <laughs> so it's funny, like. If, if you just spend enough time with different people, like you're going to learn techniques or, you know, get get inspired. So I think a lot of it is just, you know, not only learning, but I'll just just also getting in, inspired about what other people do and how they approach the craft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, t- totally. And I would I would add, you know, it's funny to me and I know you ask about, you know, other photographers, you know, at the end of the podcast. But it, I think over the years, the photographers that that I always put at the top of my list 
shoot totally and completely different from what I shoot. So I'm not sure what that means, but I, I, I tend to admire the stuff that I just, I absolutely don't shoot that stuff at all, but it's really, really interesting and enjoyable for me. So uh, I think it's just kind of the same thing. You know, you can learn a lot from people who are, are doing things differently, you know, for sure. Oh yeah. I think now that you've brought it up, like I get super inspired in uh, jazz when I see people doing like super, like interesting portrait um like series as you know right. like i don't i don't do portraits much and i certainly don't do like street like portraiture that has a theme right and, but when i see people that are able to pull together a project like that i'm like fuck that that took a lot of planning and thought and of course creativity and that, that's that's always fun to see yeah, I mean, 100%. It's it's amazing to see that stuff. You know, people will ask me, hey, do you shoot this? Do you shoot that? My response is always, look, man, I don't shoot anything that moves unless it's clouds <laughs> or water, right? So I'm just totally mystified and amazed at people who can do portraits or weddings or sports or travel. I, that stuff for me, I just I have no idea, you know, uh, how to begin to to start on that. But it's super cool, and I, I love looking looking at those kinds of images, man. It just is super inspiring. Absolutely. Um, so I think you had mentioned that you had recently uh, gone to Iceland. Yeah, I just got back. I'm back maybe a week from, from that workshop. That was, oh man, we had 11 nights. Um, it's a great time of year to be there. You know, it's midnight sun. So the idea is that, I don't know, sunsets around midnight and then sunrises, I don't know, around 3 or 4 a.m. So, you know, if you get lucky, <laughs> you have potential for what could be about a four to five hour, you know, sunset and sunrise, uh, which when you think about it, it's pretty, pretty wild. You know, the sun never really goes down. It just kind of, kind of bounces along the horizon. So, uh, uh, yeah, man, we had some good light on, on some nights and, uh, it's just a, it's just a crazy place to photograph, man. I mean, I mean, I know you've seen images from there and, you know, people ask me, hey, why would you go to Iceland? I'm like, well, you know, think about this for a minute. You know, if you could combine Alaska with Hawaii, with Yellowstone, with the Pacific Coast or the UK, and you could put that all on one island, you know, about the size of Tennessee and Kentucky, that's that's Iceland, you know? And oh, you don't have to convince me, man. I, Iceland's yeah. been, been on my list for a long time. Yeah, wow. it's it's crazy and really not that difficult or expensive to get to. You know, it's, I don't know, from uh, maybe Boston or Baltimore, you know, from the East Coast, it's maybe a five-hour flight and, you know, there's some discounter airlines and they're offering some, some pretty good fares, especially if you're willing to travel kind of in between seasons or whatever. So, you know, it's expensive when you get there, you know, in terms of your transportation, gas and, and food and stuff like that. But, you know, if you're willing to camp, yeah, you, can, I, you can save a lot of money that way. I, I heard that they um like the restaurants have a uh locals price and a tourists price. <laughs> I know I've heard that like like they have two different price lists depending on if you're a local or not. That that that's entirely possible. <laughs> that uh, you know, I I've I've not heard that or or if I've experienced it then I just wasn't smart enough to know it. Uh but uh <laughs> but yeah, I mean my my previous trips there we were 
uh, we were camping only. So, you know, it's a place that's easy to camp and uh, they got some good campsites and you can kind of do some some free range camping in, in some areas. And so you can you can travel around pretty, pretty inexpensively, you know, if you want to if you want to do it that way. But uh, but, yeah, it's just compelling. You know, when you think about glaciers and icebergs and sea stacks and geothermals and volcanoes and of course waterfalls and of course you know if you're into wildlife and bird life well it's it's pretty amazing on that front too so it's just a place that's just so photographically rich it's just mind-blowing and I don't know man I've been there a few times and I just always come back and I just feel like man you know I just I just feel like I just scratch the surface there's just so much to photograph there it's it's a really cool place we had a blast that's cool, man. I've heard, um, I think my friend, um, I don't know if she wrote the article or if she just linked it on Facebook. I can't remember, but my friend mm-hmm. Sarah Marino, yeah. was, um, she, you know, she's kind of more of a conservationist, but um, right. she's also one of the best writers I've ever um, read. Uh, yeah, very good writer. But uh, I think uh, she had posted an article that mm-hmm. talked about like the negative impacts of all the 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 sharp increase in photography on Iceland. Like people are yep. just taking shits in people's yards and like just <laughs> just wild stuff. Like did you did you did you see a lot of that when you were there? Or? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the I think when I was there, I read that their annual tourism numbers were up to over two million as of like 2015, and this is a country of only you know, a little over 300,000 people, primarily in one city, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think our first visit was in 2005, and it just didn't seem like there was really anybody else there traveling around, and certainly not that many people photographing. And then the past couple of trips, there's there's been an enormous increase in uh, sort of large group tour travel there. Um, and so I think that that's definitely had an impact especially along the south coast a lot of those tours will do uh south coast and back there's a lot to see and do in that particular area so i would say that part of the island is is certainly got a lot of of uh, group tour travel um you know on our particular workshop we actually circumnavigated around the entire island and then we spent some time on the interior which which doesn't get visited uh, very often so this particular trip man it, it was i was expecting kind of <laughs> much more uh in terms of tourist traffic and working around people and that sort of thing but i just i don't recall that we had any any issues like that at all we just we i don't know whether it's just because we were shooting from you know, 10.30 p.m. to 3 a.m., and maybe it was just the, the, the time that we were shooting in, and there's just not as many people out photographing at that time. I, I don't know, but we just did not encounter uh, the crowds that that I kind of, you know, expected to be at, at a few of those places. Uh, so that was that was actually a, a positive surprise. I, I, I would say, though, that I'm, I'm sure that, you know, uh, in some places, if you're not shooting at odd times, I, I would expect, you know, the group travel to really bring a, a ton of people to some of those well-known locations. And like you've discussed in, in some of the other podcasts, you know, it's there, there are always iconic places that you want to shoot. Those are going to attract the most people, but there's just tons and tons of places. If you'll just get off the beaten path just by a little bit, right? Yeah, then right. There's nobody else there, right? You know, and uh, so we had a lot of places just totally and completely to ourselves. And, uh, yeah, we just did not not have any 
difficulty shooting there. I will say, though, in the past, uh, doing my own shooting there, I, I did in- encounter some uh, less than stellar behaved workshop groups there, uh, which, you know, as you've discussed before, you know, it just kind of diminishes the experience. So at that point, you you know, you either have to come back on another night or you're moving on and it's just a little bit of a lost opportunity. So I can appreciate what Sarah is, is talking about there. I, I like to hear from both Sarah and Ron. I, I think they're both really bright, really sharp, and I, I always enjoy hearing from them. Yeah, me too. I, I really enjoy uh, just their demeanor and um, their approach to writing. And I don't know, like their whole vibe is just really cool because, you know, they're like living in an Airstream trailer and traveling <laughs> around and keeping their day jobs for the most part, but like still taking lots of photos and I don't they know. Have, just, yeah, they have definitely got it figured out, man. I, I, <laughs> I, they, they do great work and uh, they're great communicators and uh, I appreciate their, their contribution to the photography community, man. And I'm, I'm sure you'll have them on the podcast, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny, even be, uh, before I started recording, I reached out to Sarah and she was like, yeah, I'll be on. Just let me know. So we just haven't solidified a date yet, but we'll, we'll get there. For sure. Right, right. Um, cool. <laughs> so um, is, it sounds like you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not doing uh, the photo, the workshops and photography. That's not like your full-time gig, like, or is it? I, I just couldn't tell on your... Yeah, to- totally not my, my full-time gig. I, like I said, I'm, I'm in your... 28 actually of of my university career so I'm I'm kind of winding down on on that front and and doing uh, workshops I do some speaking gigs do a little bit of writing uh, do a very minor amount of print sales and just kind of plug away on on the side and and for me that that works great I I think I was probably I probably had too much going on in 2016 so you know, my, my normal work commute life is about 60 hours a week. So when you add a, a small business on top of that, man, there's just not enough time to, to do the rest of life. So I've, I've kind of had to dial back a little bit here in 2017. So uh, I feel a little more rested this year than, than certainly I did I did last year. So yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> a side gig for me. Yeah. And are you uh, uh, married, have kids? Yeah, my wife and I actually met uh, as freshmen in college, believe it or not. I was 18 and she was 17. We dated all four years of college, uh, dated a year after college, and we've been married for 30 years ever since. So we've actually been together for 35 years, if my, if my math is right. And we don't have any kids, don't have any pets, just ourselves, and somehow managing to uh, survive on a daily basis. So Right yeah. on. Yeah. So how did you get into teaching the workshops and um, and then how how did you how do you promote them because it seems like you got a whole bunch of them going on and it seems like you're able to fill them pretty well and Yeah, just um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing. You know, I had a buddy that I was um, sort of going through the process of learning photography. This would have been back in the early 2000s, 2003, 4, 5, 6. He had he had done a lot of photography before. And uh, so, but he was getting back into it. He had actually retired. And so he had some more time to pursue photography. And I was getting super interested in hiking, backpacking, and photography. So I kind of learned along uh, side of him. And uh, then he started doing some workshops. I I don't remember uh, the year. And he wanted me to just kind of help out and come along. So I did that. And just, I don't know, man, I just had a blast. It was a ton of fun. 
And, uh, you know, and I'm not sure what happened next, but I think I started doing some speaking gigs. Uh, photography clubs would reach out to me and or I would reach out to them and say, hey, you know, uh, would you like, do you need a guest speaker or whatever? And so through those speaking gigs, uh, just, uh, you know, putting together some workshop opportunities and see if people were interested. And so that's that's kind of been my one and and maybe only uh, marketing strategy for, for the workshops is to deliver presentations to photography groups and uh, talk about workshop opportunities at, at the very end. So they get somebody to fill their speaking calendar and talk to them about composition or whatever it is that they're interested in. And I get a little five minute you know promo at the end to see if anybody's interested in workshops. So I've just been doing that for, I don't know, uh, maybe four or five years or so, and just kind of built a, a small client base from there. And, you know, I, I do super small groups, so it's usually four or six people, sometimes as few as two. Uh, so, uh, so it's just a lot of fun, man. I've always kind of enjoyed teaching, coaching, counseling, advising, kind of being in that capacity. I even started doing that when I was a kid, uh, coaching in sports or whatever. So it's just a, it's just a mode that I feel very comfortable in and, and I don't know, it's just, I find it to be super rewarding. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know, that's, that's just kind of how it's evolved and, uh. Uh, it's been just a, a ton of fun for me to share photography and to share some locations that have been have been a lot of fun for me to photograph. Right on. That's cool. So you had sent me a couple of um, teasers about yeah. some stories. Yes. And a couple of them, just based on what you said, uh, interested me. And it sounded like they might be fun to talk about. <laughs> what the hell is the beef jerky incident? Man, this is right up your alley, dude, because this is right in your backyard. This is one of those classic landscape photography stories, right? So this is this is worth a listen. So uh, this was actually last year, and my buddy Josh Merrill and I had just finished up our, our fall color and photography workshop in Colorado. So that's based out of Crested Butte and, and Ridgeway. And we had a couple of days to shoot our own. We're like, okay, man, what should we do? And he's like, well, I want to go to Rocky Mountain. I'm like, well, I want to go to Great Sand Dunes. So we compromised and went to both. But <laughs> on the way, things were kind of shaping up at Owl Creek Pass. You know, we're like, well, if we're going to head that way, why don't we just kind of ease over to Owl Creek Pass? There's a lot of clouds. There's a break on the western horizon. Things are shaping up. We might as well just photograph sunset while we're on while we're on our way over to Great Sand Dunes. We're like, yeah, okay, let's do that. So we pulled up to Vista Point, just because you know it's a big scene there. You can kind of see what the clouds are doing. There's a lot of fall color, and things are really looking good. Like, man, you can see that western uh, break in the clouds on the horizon, and there's just clouds are swirling all around Chimney Rock. You know, we're kind of getting that adrenaline going, getting fired up, and. All of a sudden, this one guy comes down the hill. He's like, hey, man, what are you guys doing? We sort of chit-chat with him. And anyway, I'm like, well, I think what we need to do is just make the drive up to Chimney Rock and and pull off at that curve in the road, you know, with the Aspens in the foreground and Chimney Rock behind him because I think it's really going to set up. But it was kind of like one of those last-minute things, you know, because it was getting ready to happen, you know. So we took off the road, driving on two wheels. I'm not driving. Josh is, by the way. That's a whole other set of stories. But anyway, we get there just in the nick of time. There's like 10 or 15 people there set up, but it's it's a big space. So I go set up my tripod kind of next to the little edge of the forest there. And Josh is setting up the hill behind me with his giant 12-foot tripod, right? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, exactly what we thought was going to happen, right, which almost never happens, right, it starts to happen like there's, there's just these 
pink clouds that start swirling all around Chimney Rock, right? And the people that were there before us, they're like yelling, they're screaming, they're cussing. It's just like a football game, man. It's just the lights just starting to go crazy and people are just going nuts. And I'm, I'm kind of laughing and having fun too because this is kind of crazy atmosphere, you know. And I look over behind me to see what Josh's reaction is and he's not there. I'm like, well, holy crap, where is he? And I look over there in the side of the woods, and he's, he's in the woods looking down. I'm like, well, what in the heck is he doing? He can't be doing macro photography at a time like this. Or he, What's he doing? Did he lose a lens cap? Did he lose a battery? What in the heck is he doing over there? You know? And I'm like, well, i got to keep photographing. I can't worry about what he's doing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, right, the clouds break, and all of a sudden this massive light shaft comes and it just lights up that aspen grove at the base of Chimney Rock. So now you've got the aspen grove that's spotlit, right? You've got Chimney Rock feature itself that's getting some diffused side light. And you've got this massive swirl of pink clouds that's just swirling around the feature. It's just, it's absolutely insane, right? One of those just epic moments. And at this point, I'm turning around. I'm like, what? I got to see the reaction on his face because everybody's just going bananas, right? I turn back around again. He's not there. I'm like, what in the heck is he doing? Again, I look over in the woods. He's there. Now he's got his hands on his knees. And I'm like, what? what is going on? I'm, I, you know, but anyway, so I'm back to photographing and eventually, of course, the light fades and everybody's got a, you know, got a pool of sweat going on after this whole adrenaline rush. And I, I turn back around and Josh is behind me and I walk up to him. I'm like, dude, what were you doing over there in the woods? And I kind of look at his face a little bit more closely and he's got like this brown juice running down the sides of his mouth. I'm like, what, what happened, dude? He's like, well, you remember me telling you about that that jerky I had? I'm like, yeah. He said, well, I made a really, really bad mistake. I'm like, well, dude, what did you do? He said, well, right before the light got super epic, he said, I put a big chunk of that in my mouth. And he said, I got so excited about that light that I actually forgot to chew up the jerky before I swallowed it. <laughs> oh, no. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. He's like, yeah, man. He said, I was choking. He said, but I, but I was just so excited about the light. He said, I had to get back there. I had this beef jerky lodged in my throat the whole time, and I just had to keep photographing, but I was kind of half choking and half dying and half wanting to photograph the scene. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude, you have got to be kidding me. So there's, there's a moral to that story. Like, if you're in a scene that you think is going to get epic, do not, under any circumstances, go for the beef jerky pouch, okay? Absolutely not. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, that's, so he survived. I, I thought you were going to say something else. So I was, I was like, did he, like, poop his pants? Or, like, what, what happened to this poor fella? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he he just I mean he was laughing about it. He wasn't upset or mad about anything. I think he I think, you know, it was just one of those crazy things that you just cannot possibly imagine happening, you know. And he also told me about about another incident. He was out doing some night photography out at Badwater, you know, in oh, Death Valley. Dude, you know, I have this on my list. Missing camera at Badwater. Yeah, exactly. So this is Josh again, right? So you you maybe you need to have him on the podcast just to tell about his misadventures. <laughs> but I'll tell you this too. And I'm like, well, hey dude, you know, how did how did it go out there, you know, with the night photography? Did you get some star trails or whatever? He's like, Well, yeah, we did. He said, But see there was a little bit of a problem. I'm like, what do you mean there was a problem? He said, well, you know, we went out there, hiked in, I don't know, a mile, mile and a half. We found a really cool spot. We set up the cameras to do star trails for, I don't know, an hour or two. He said, but we didn't really want to stay with the cameras. So 
well, we just wanted to hike back out to the truck and take a nap and then come back out and grab the cameras, you know, when they were done shooting the Star Trail. So I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that sounds pretty good. But then I kind of had a feeling of what he was going to say next. And he said, well, he said, we forgot to do something. I'm like, yeah, you did, didn't you? He's like, yeah, we didn't GPS where our cameras were. <laughs> He said, we walked around forever to find those freaking cameras. So, you know, when you're, again, lesson learned, when you're out in some sort of featureless, expansive space that, like, goes on for miles, and you leave your camera out there, might want a GPS exactly where they are so uh, you don't spend about three or four hours of your life that you can't get back trying to find those cameras. So, Oh, that's a classic night photography problem. Yeah, because it's yeah. like it sucks like hanging out by your camera, especially if your camera is in a place that you can't like lay down or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So those are those are two uh, misadventures at at Josh's expense, but I, I, he's pretty good natured, so I don't think he'll take it too hard. <laughs> oh, that's funny, dude! I, actually, uh, while you were talking, I found that image of the uh, chimney rock. I looked. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would have been pretty upset to miss that too. Yeah, man. And I think that composition there is just one of about 20 or 30 ones. I'm not even sure that's even close to the one I might have liked the best. I just sort of processed it and slapped it up there. But it just, it just literally, man, those pink clouds just, they just, it was crazy. They just swirled around the feature and it was just, I don't know, man, it, it 15 or 20 minutes, probably it seemed like it went on for like hours, but it was just, it was absolutely crazy. Ton of, ton of fun to shoot. And we had some, some fun over in great sand dunes too. And, and, uh, up at Rocky mountain, I'd never been up to Rocky mountain before that trip. So it was super, super pretty up there, man. We had a blast. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Obviously I love Colorado. So it's, you know, it's, you can't go wrong with this part of the Colorado. Like, there's just so much to shoot. Like, yeah, I haven't, I mean, I haven't even scratched the surface personally. Yeah, people ask me. They're like, "Well, hey man, you know, you've been shooting here and there. What's your favorite place?" And I'm like, "Well, I always say Colorado, man. Colorado in the fall, especially, man. It's just, I don't That's know. That you, I don't know that you can beat it. You know, I mean, there are." a handful of iconic locations but most everything else is just like there's a photograph every three steps so it's like what do you want to shoot i mean there's big scenes there's medium scenes there's small scenes there's forests there's lakes there's big mountains there's snow there's fall color and it's just uh, i don't know man it's just uh i don't know i think it's just hard to beat fall color in colorado by by far my favorite workshop to do and and i think probably my favorite place to photograph for sure yeah i i agree it's like um that road uh, for Kebler Pass, like it's like every yeah. 10 seconds you want to pull over and shoot something. It's like kind of embarrassing if you go with someone who's not a photographer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's beautiful, man. A, a, a buddy of mine, and, and I'll mention his name maybe at the end too, uh, Rainer Sirwinski is based out of Crested Butte, and uh, he's a super awesome photographer, man. Shoots, I think, maybe exclusively film or almost exclusively film, and he shared uh, a really cool spot. It's kind of an old elk game trail out Kepler Pass with a really cool view out there. It's, I don't know, it's just a short walk, probably less than a mile through the woods out there. It's just, man, it's, it's, I don't know, man. There's just so many trails out there and just so many different views, and it's, I don't know, man, 12 miles of Aspen Grove. I mean, what else do you need? It's just extraordinary. Love it. We're were you out? Were you out there um, last year? Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. We were, yeah. So that was fall 2016, and and did another workshop there. 
Probably the remember, best color I've seen out there was fall of 2014. It was a lot of um, what red. What were there last year? Yeah, a lot of red in the Aspens in 2014 and orange. Last year was pretty good, but I think 2014, of, of the years that I've been out there at least, was was wild with the sort of deep reds and, and oranges. Uh, the cool thing last year is, you know, we got some snow there for a couple of days, so you had this super awesome fall color with lots of snow and Man, that's just man. That's an, that's a fantastic combination to photograph those golds and oranges. And yeah, reds that's what with, I was asking. That. That's what I was asking you, man, because I think we might have been at Kebler the same day. Maybe Cause, right? Yeah, because um, I was at a work conference in Breckenridge. Uh huh. Saturday, I want to say, or a Sunday. Mm-hmm. No, it was a Saturday. I was driving back. It was the twenty sixth of twenty fourth of September. Okay. I went through there and I, and it was like, it had just snowed that night. Yep. Yep. And like all the Aspen and uh, Beckwith were just covered in snow and it was like, there was a ton of clouds and mm-hmm. it was a cool day. Yeah. Yeah. We were there that, that exact same day. We were there, uh, while it was snowing. Then of course the day after it didn't stick around long. Um, but, um, but yeah, we were there during the snow and, and the day after for sure. That was right before the workshop started. So uh, yeah, man, we we got we got some some good images from from that day for sure. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> you probably passed find me in my car. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a funny thing too. You know, I, I I met a guy. I don't know if you know him or not. A guy by the name of Tad Bowman. Oh yeah, I know. Well, I know of Tad. Yeah, yeah, and I actually met him at kind of this off the beaten path place in the Smokies and we photographed uh, this place called Big Creek in the, in the Smokies together and I think he's huh. maybe from the Knoxville area and he was telling me that he was living out in Colorado I'm like well yeah I'm coming out to Colorado this fall and he's like well maybe we'll meet he said well I drive this I don't know like a blue forerunner or something I can't remember and he probably told me the tag I didn't write it down and I think we were driving down like Ohio Pass and I saw this guy get out of the truck, and I didn't think anything about it. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb went on. I'm like, okay, yeah, blue four. And I'm like, wow, so unbelievable. <laughs> You're in the middle of this just random remote national forest, and you see somebody that you just met, you know, a couple of months ago. It was crazy. Dude, he's I a can't good tell dude, man. Yeah, he's, I can't uh, tell you how many times that's happened to me in the field. Like, yeah, you run into people, and it's like, oh, you're here too? God. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's a, it's a small world you know, in, in a lot of ways. And, and that's cool, man. And, you know, it's, it's fun to be a part of that community and, and run into people that, you know, maybe you don't get to interact with them a whole lot, but, you know, you get to hang out with them a day or two and maybe photograph together. And I don't know, man, that's just, that's a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So as you know, I like to close out the podcast with two questions. Yep. Um, the first question is um, like, what is your advice for other photographers based on the name of the podcast, uh, F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen? Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm going to make my English teachers really happy and I'm going to go with a double <laughs> negative, right? Uh-oh, so, uh-oh. so with F-Stop, I'm going to say stop not printing your work, right? <laughs> I like so it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with, man, print your work. However you can make that happen, 100%, man, absolutely get busy printing your work. You'll be so happy that you did that. So that's that's my number one tip there on, on the F-stop front. And collaborate, I think we've definitely touched on that a lot. You know, uh, 
find people that you know share similar interests to you photograph with them and then also find people that like to shoot stuff different you will probably not agree on things <laughs> but it will be some it'll be some creative sparks flying and 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 you'll definitely learn from one another and i think that that's that's really the the sweet spot of collaborating is when you got people learning uh, from from one another and listen I would just say hey man you know I uh, you know take in podcasts take in blogs find people that you know you really align with in terms of you know their approach their values their philosophy and how they go about their photography and and uh, you know really zone in and, and focus and and uh, pick some people that you really like listening to whether it's a podcast or a book or or PDF or whatever they're putting out, and, and tighten the, tighten the focus on the people that you really think a lot of, and, and I think that that's that's pretty useful. Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. So uh, if you were hanging out at home and like your iPhone like popped up with a notification that said a new episode of F Stop Collaborate and Listen is available, featuring X artist, yep. who would you be super pumped to see on the podcast? Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna have to do the same thing as Alex. I've got kind of two lists for you, two short lists, right? So, okay, uh, got people that I think would be hard to get a hold of, but I would still be really interested to hear from them. One of them is a guy by the name of Daniel Bergman, and uh, he's uh, uh, Icelandic photographer, so he's probably single-handedly uh, responsible for. Uh, all this Icelandic photography, but he's he's super solid, man. I love love his work. And then I would say also uh, the same guy that um, Alex mentioned, uh, Hans Strand from Sweden. Uh, that that guy's that guy is outrageously good. His um, aerial photographs from the south coast of Iceland are, are probably some of the best photographs I've I've ever seen. Uh, that that dude is super solid. And then I would add to that list a guy by the name of Bruce Percy uh, from from the UK, uh, exclusive film shooter. But man, his his stuff is super super good. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from those guys. I think they'll be hard to get, uh, but you never know, right? <laughs> and then yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. And then I tell you a guy that I've emailed with, but I've never heard an interview or anything from him that I would love to hear from is a guy by the name of Paul Marcellini. And he shoots down in the Everglades, right? And his his work is also outrageously good. There's not really anybody else shooting that stuff in color. You know, Clyde Butcher is down there, has been down there for years shooting some ridiculous black and whites. But Paul is down there uh, shooting in color, and his stuff, I just don't see anybody else shooting down there in the same way that Paul is doing. And he, man, I'm sure he's got stories about alligators and mosquitoes and snakes and (laughs) who knows what. But his photography is is really, really good. I I love his work, man. It's it's just unique. Um, And then I would uh, would ring up... um, your buddy up the road there, Mr. Mr. Rainer Sirwinski in Crested Butte. Um, he's a buddy of mine, and, and uh, I don't know, man. He's just, uh, again, exclusively pretty much, I think, unless he's changed his, his tune. But he's been shooting pretty much exclusively film for, for quite a while. And, and, man, he's got some good work in Colorado and, and good work from elsewhere. And he's just an interesting guy to, to hear from. So I would, I would put those, those folks... Uh, uh, at at the top of the list for sure. 
Nice, dude. I appreciate the recommendations. Those are actually, those are a bunch of people I've ever, never heard of before, which is, um, that's exciting for me because that means there's more people out there for me to discover and to check out their stuff. I mean, um, that's cool. I uh, appreciate the recommendations, man. Yeah, man. And, and you know, that's, that's just scratching the surface. Like I said, it's amazing time oh, to be yeah. photographing. And there's just some amazing photographers, just tons of people out there creating some some awesome work. And it's just super interesting to to hear from them and, and hear about their work and their, their creative direction. So I'm I'm looking forward to future podcasts, man. And I, I really, really appreciate you having me on. Hey, man, I appreciate you having you on. And if you're ever back down here in southern Colorado, let me know because uh would would love to go out and shoot with you. Well, we'll we'll make that happen. I'll I'll be out there for a workshop uh, the last few days of September and the first day of October this year. So we will definitely have to compare calendars and uh, uh, connect and do some some photography together. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Dusty. I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having.